Hello, I'm Steve Wartenberg. Welcome to the James Cancer Free World Podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Electra Paskett. Electra is a professor, and she's the director of the Division of Cancer Prevention and Control, and she's also a leading expert in what's known as population sciences. Today, we're going to talk to Electra about the human papilloma virus, also known as HPV, and it's a sexually transmitted virus that not only causes STDs, but it causes several types of cancer. For example, 90%, 90% of all cervical cancer is caused by HPV. And here's the thing, there's a, actually a vaccination for it, but not everyone gets the vaccination. So that's what we're gonna talk about today with Electra. And this is great timing because March 4th is coming up real soon, and that's International HPV Awareness Day. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Steve. It's great to have you. And this is a very important topic. But first, before we get to HPV, I think it's important for people to understand a little bit about what population sciences is. So kind of fill us in on what it is and what you and your team here at the James do. Sure. So population sciences is a discipline that deals with people in general, whereas basic t scientists work in the lab with test tubes and uh, clinicians, when we talk about clinical science, they mainly do treatment trials, whether it's with a new chemotherapy drug, radiation, or surgery. With population sciences, we deal with many aspects that we call um, across the cancer control continuum, which focuses on what causes cancer, so the risk factors for cancer, how do you prevent cancer? So can we teach people how to lose weight and exercise, for example? Can we take the tests that have been verified to work to find cancers early and get more people to get screened? So we call that early detection research. And then amongst people who are diagnosed with cancer, can we address their needs for quality of life um, during cancer treatment and afterwards in their survivorship air area or in palliative care. And so this whole area of HPV, that was discovered as a cause of cancer. So population scientists connected the dots between smoking and lung cancer. Exactly Between right. HPV and, and all these different, different cancers. cancers. So you do the research among uh, cohorts or groups of populations to make those links that are essential and vital to 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 move you know move the research forward and and prevention. Exactly right. So population scientists make that link. Now, with the case of HPV, if I can continue on that framework, we then worked with basic science colleagues to develop a vaccine once we were able to identify the specific type of virus and the specific types of HPV that caused cervical cancer. The basic scientists were able to develop um, a vaccine. And then with population scientists and clinical scientists, that vaccine was tested in cohorts of, of, of adults, healthy adults. Um, young adults and uh, to see if it would prevent cervical abnormalities. And so now population scientists are trying to figure out how to get HPV vaccine used 
to its maximum in the population. Okay, so let's take a step back. First of all, what types of cancer does HPV cause? It's a, it's a lot, isn't it? it? It is. It's about six different types of cancer. So as you mentioned, um, HPV is a sexually transmitted disease, or an STD. It is contracted uh, through sexual relations, but there have also been some studies that have found that HPV can be transmitted uh, by kissing or even perhaps by passing objects like uh, cups, bottles, things like that, and transmitted into the, uh, the mouth. Through saliva or? Yes. Okay. And so um, HPV has been found to be associated, as you mentioned, with cervical cancer, but oral pharyngeal cancer. That's in the, the throat? In the throat, the base of the tongue in the throat. Um, with anal cancer, penile cancer, vulvar cancer. So many um, of those uh, types of cancers that are related to sexual activity. Okay. So population scientists establish a link between HPV and all these different kinds of um, cancers. Then research was done to come up with a vaccine. When was that that the vaccine was, was created, roughly? So we've had the vaccine uh, since June of 2006. Okay. It's, I, I like the way you say June of 2006 because it's like such an important date for you, I would imagine. Right. I always remember 10 years, June of 2016. So that's how I remember that. So that was a huge date, a vaccine for a virus that causes so much harm to so many people. Exactly right. And... For so many years, we have been asking, the public has been asking for a vaccine to prevent cancer. Yes. Now, we all know cancer is over 200 different types of diseases, so we can't just have one vaccine to prevent all cancers. But we're starting, and we're started with cervical cancer, with the HPV vaccine, which can prevent cervical cancer. So in... Uh, 2006, this vaccine is created. So how many people, like, is there a percentage of of the number of people who are eligible who who take it? And first, I think I understand, I think it's preteens is when it's most effective. Right. So let's start with who should get the vaccine okay. and then why. So the recommendation is that children starting at age nine, and this is boys and girls, should be vaccinated, and um, if the child is vaccinated before age 15, then they only need two shots, uh, six months apart. If it's they are older than, uh, they are 15 and older, up to age 26, they need the three shots. Okay. And w- a lot of people say, why do you need to vaccinate a child? Um, they haven't been sexually active, why do you need to vaccinate them? And we say, that's great, they're not sexually active, but we need to vaccinate them before any exposure occurs, number one. Number two, uh, studies have shown that the immune system can mount a greater response when the vaccine is given to a younger immune system, a younger child. 
And so I mentioned that the vaccine has been in use since 2006, and we still see lasting protection in these cohorts that were vaccinated early, meaning that the immune system is still keeping up with the antibodies and not showing a a significant decrease that would suggest that there needed to be any boosters as of yet. Uh, people who got it 10 or 12 years ago, it's still effective. The, and, and that's as far as you can tell, because that's when it was first given. Exactly right. So exactly 20, right. 30 years from now, you'll have even more data. We'll have more data because okay. the original cohorts are, are being followed. Right. And the CDC and their vaccine uh, registry, <clears throat> they follow um, across the states to see if there are any severe adverse effects. And there are no greater severe adverse effects reported for the HPV vaccine series than for the other childhood immunizations that are given at the same time, meaning the meningococcal and the Tdap. Boy, so this seems like almost a no-brainer that every child at that age, uh, 11, 12, 13, should get this. So what's what is the percentage that do get it and why isn't it higher? So I have, um, I'm looking at the, the data that came out okay. for, um, it came out in 2017 and it is data from the 2015 survey that was done. So um, if you look at who got one shot and one shot is better than none, but it's only one shot. Okay. It's about six out of 10 children are getting the vaccine um, by age 13. So that's what the CDC is measuring now. They're recommending that when uh, children come in for their 11 and 12 year old checkup, that in addition to the Tdap and the meningococcal, that they are given the HPV vaccine, the first one in the series Oh, so that's probably why it's as high as it is at 60%, because they're getting a series of vaccine, vaccine shots altogether where I'm guessing that second shot, since it's going to be just that second shot in six months, they don't come back. They don't necessarily come back. And so um, now you made a very interesting statement there. Okay. You said that it's so high. Okay. All right. That's true. It's high. I, I shouldn't say that it should be 100%, but it's higher than I thought you were going to tell me. Well, uh, so if we look at um uh in 2015 uh when we'll look at all ages 13 14 15 16 and 17 all lumped together i remember i i said that they're supposed to get the tdap at that age okay 86 percent have gotten the tdap okay if we look at the meningococcal 81 percent have gotten the meningococcal one dose of the HPV vaccine in, in females, 63%. Okay. Males, one dose, 44, uh, 49, or actually 50%. Okay. So the first question is, if they're getting them all at the same time, why are we at 86% for Tdap yeah. and only 63 and 50%? So not everybody's getting it, the three shots as they should. Three shots together. Okay, so now let's look at um, the uh, three three doses. It's forty two percent in females, and for males, it's twenty eight percent. Wow. 
So we're not getting the full series. So not enough people are getting the first shot and even less are coming back for that second or third shot as needed. Yes, and the CDC has set the goal at 80%. We are at 60% for one shot. Oh, for one shot, okay. And you might ask, why has the CDC set the bar at 80%? In infectious disease epidemiology, which this is an infectious disease, sexually transmitted disease is an infectious disease. The great guru scientists have established that in order to develop herd immunity, and I'm going to explain that in just a second, in order to develop herd immunity, we need to be at 80% of the injection of the vaccine. For any vaccination. To establish herd immunity. Okay. And herd immunity means that in the population, you will have enough people vaccinated that you can, for the most part, for the most part, eradicate that disease. So we don't have TB anymore. We don't have polio. We don't have smallpox. Why? It's not just because we've improved sanitation. It's because of all the vaccines that a lot of us have gotten. I mean, I still remember getting my smallpox and uh, vaccination, et cetera. So those vaccines helped. The same thing with um, chicken pox, measles, mumps. When I grew up, you know, I, I had chicken pox. A yeah. lot of my friends mumps. had mumps yeah, and measles. Right. We don't have yeah, those yeah. anymore because so, of vaccination and because, you know, unless we have these outbreaks that you see right. in unvaccinated populations. And, and it's because those are not trivial diseases. Many of us, you, you know, we did recover. We have a few scars here and there. But um, mumps, for example, is not a trivial disease. And, and so we can eradicate those diseases with vaccination. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Electra to talk about some of the reasons why we can't get to this 80% or higher rate for the HPV vaccination. Pelotonia is driven by their vision, a world where we are all healthier and empowered to live our best lives. Lives filled with hope and possibility. In only nine years, the Pelotonia community, through their annual cycling event, has raised more than $157 million to accelerate funding for innovative cancer research at the James. The Pelotonia community knows that when we push ourselves individually and as a community, we can achieve great things. As Pelotonia celebrates their 10th anniversary, Pelotonia wants you to be part of making this vision a reality. To learn how you can get involved, please visit pelotonia.org. That's P-E-L-O-T-O-N-I-A.org. Let's change the world together. We're back with the James Cancer-Free World podcast, talking to Electra Paskett about the HPV vaccination. And we, when we left off, we were just about to start talking about why the vaccination rate for HPV isn't higher. So Electra, kind of run us through some of the reasons and the myths and, and just why we can't get this rate up higher and save some more lives. Sure. And that's you know one of the big questions people say, you have this vaccine. Why aren't people just lining up around the corner? And um, I believe it's be- because there's a lot of myths about the vaccine. When it first came out in 2006, it was very politicized. And it was linked 
to sexual promiscuity. And unfortunately, throughout time, cervical cancer itself has been mistakenly linked to promiscuity, and it should not be. Hmm. Okay. Um, People would say, well, that's only a disease of prostitutes. That is wrong. Oh, and that they deserve it in some way? They deserve it. That is terribly wrong. Yeah. So my mother was a cervical cancer survivor. My mother was not a (laughs) prostitute. And so we need to stop thinking about that, and we need to not stigmatize this disease. So, you know, in reality, 79 million Americans are infected with HPV. Wow, that's like a quarter of the population, I think. That's a lot of people. And about 14 million people become newly infected each year. Wow, so this is... This is affects everyone. It affects everybody. Yeah. If you look at it, um, every, about 80% of adults sometime in their life will have been infected with some type of HPV. Now, we need to say that there are certain types of HPV that cause cancer, and it's actually the HPVs that stay in the body that are the most deleterious, oh, okay. that are the ones that can integrate into the DNA of the cell and actually cause cancer. For a lot of these infections, they will clear because our immune system is so good at clearing them. But so the stronger, longer-lasting ones obviously stay longer. They're the ones that cause cancer, so it's like a catch-22. They are, that, but you don't know... Right. If you've, you know, necessarily that your body can clear it, which is where the vaccine comes into play, because it will naturally allow your body to build up a response to the the little bit of virus that is introduced in, and it's not a live virus, that is introduced in the vaccine. So your body can okay. build an immunity to HPV, and then if you are... Ever, if you ever contract it, you've already got those antibodies and it will kill the viruses. So what about the 79 million Americans and the 14 million every year who, who contract HPV and are adults older than 26? And can they get a vaccination or, or not? No, not at this time. I, I want to say there are studies ongoing now for people who are shown to be positive to HPV and actually who have some, for example, cervical abnormalities, precancerous conditions, to see if the vaccine will help. Those studies are still underway, and so okay. we don't make um, recommendations for that. Hopefully, in the future, we'll know more. But for women, they should be getting uh, regular exams. The uh, screening guidelines changed recently for women so that actually the primary testing is, um, uh, you can get as primary testing HPV testing in addition to cytology pap testing. So there are some changes coming for the recommendations for for screening for, for women. But I wanted to get back to your question okay. about why... What? More people don't more get people it. don't get vaccines. So, so, so the whole thing is really linked with sexual promiscuity. So, okay. when the vaccine first came out, and still, parents think, well, if I give my child this vaccine, it will be a green light to have sex. Right. Uh, it's not the intent of the vaccination. So, we need to really get that off the table. 
Secondly, there are some, uh, a, there's a lot of fear of vaccines in general. And as I mentioned earlier, this vaccine has now 10 years plus of observation. And there are no, there's no evidence to say that there's any increase of severe adverse events um, with vaccination uh, for, for HPV. And then, um, you know, the main thing that we are really promoting is when the child comes in for the 11 and 12 year old well visit to get the other two shots, we are suggesting that doctors give the message that your child is here for their uh, well visit checkup. And at this time, it's recommended that they receive three shots, the meningococcal, the HPV, and the Tdap. And bundling them like that, like they're all equal, which they are equal. Um, there's no point in necessarily pointing out the HPV vaccine because it's just as safe as the other two. If there are questions, answer the questions that the parent has about any of the vaccines and, um, you know, model good behavior about giving a, a positive recommendation for all three vaccines. So do you think it's up to... Uh uh, I guess the James and others within the cancer world to stress the, through education that the HPV vaccination prevents cancer, that if more parents knew that, they'd be more likely to have their children get the vaccination than that maybe they just don't know it. Yes, that's exactly what I've said several times is that the HPV vaccine is about cancer prevention. Yeah. It's not and, about sex. It's about preventing cancer. But do you think that 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 many of the parents who don't uh, elect not to have their children get that vaccination, that's why? Because they don't understand the cancer. I, I think there's yeah. a lot of misunderstanding. So, so, uh, okay. And um, the parents that we talk to, they say, well, my doctor hasn't recommended it. Oh, so doctors themselves so we, need to. So you know, we yeah. need to have a multi-pronged approach in terms of reminding the doctors that they need to suggest to the parents strongly that their child get this and to the parents that this is about preventing cancer down the line for their child. And I know that you and your team do this and that you have uh, outreach programs in Appalachia and here in Columbus that you're you're doing this education every day. So we are. We so, are. okay. So, I mean, can you just give us a sense of, of how you're doing that? We have a couple of, of things we're doing. First of all, we are partnering with several entities um, across the state, and we're sponsoring the film called Someone You Love. And it's um, a, it was a, a documentary that was done uh, uh, by Hollywood producers about the lives of four women with cervical cancer. And uh, we have bought the rights here in Ohio to show the film. And we are going around the state working with colleges and universities to plan a program. It's mainly planned by the students at each of the, the places we've been working with. And um, the students um, um, get put out advertisement for the showing. And uh, the, the local entity plans a panel discussion afterwards. And then at many showings, we have the opportunity for students to sign up for their local clinic to get the shot uh, or to get sometimes the clinics will actually give the shots there wow. on site so that's one uh thing that we are doing we also um, have tested 
a multi-level intervention. So if you remember, I talked about the multi-pronged approach, talking to the parents and to the providers. So we are testing a multi-level intervention that focuses on the parents, the providers, and the healthcare systems to focus on um, improving HPV vaccination. And we've tested it in um, two clinics in Appalachia and have a grant pending now under review to test it in more. Okay. Well, thank you. That was a great overview on what HPV is and the, and the cancers it cause, and just and most importantly on the importance of the vaccination. So, hopefully, everyone listening, you'll understand that. We'll talk to your doctors if you have children of the the appropriate age that you'll get have them get the the vaccination, or if you're 26 or under, you'll think about that and and let's get that number to 80 percent and above. So, thanks for joining us and and filling us in. Thank you. All right. This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio State University Comprehensive Cancer Center, Arthur G. James Cancer Hospital, and Richard J. Solov Research Institute. For more information, check out our website, cancer.osu.edu.